Hi, my name's Rob Pine. I am the champion of the underdog. Thank you for coming to my new podcast, which you will hear regularly. I'll be talking to my friends, Anthony Mick, and anyone else who listens about all this shit that is going down. Hello, friends from around the world. I guess like me, many of you uh, have been thinking about the COVID disaster and how climate change is so much more threatening, damaging, and taking more lives already. So um, that's why this week, um, it's an honour actually to read an article by Alan Kohler, the uh, finance journalist uh, from the ABC. It's headed, Alan Kohler, the climate change panic button is coming. This week, it's floods in Germany, 170 dead and terrible devastation. A few weeks ago, people were dying from the heat in Canada, which reached about 49 degrees Celsius in Lytton, British Columbia. Wildfires are now breaking out across North America. This is from the global warming that has already occurred, which is about 1.2 degrees above the pre-industrial age. The world is now trying to stop it going above 1.5 degrees by getting emissions down to net zero by 2050. Even if we succeed in that, which is far from guaranteed, the extreme weather events will be significantly worse and more frequent than they are now. But at what point will governments hit the real panic button? Because net zero by 2050 is not it. The reason many are still negotiating, prevaricating and putting it off is that governments and business are not looking at global warming in terms of risk, but are using scenario analysis instead. For example, the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority issued a draft prudential practice guide on climate change in April which included four degrees of warming as one of its two scenarios for banks to use in their future planning. A four degree rise in the average global temperature would make large parts of the planet uninhabitable and lead to the total collapse of the banking system. There's no need for any planning. The other APRA scenario was for two degrees of warming or less, consistent with the Paris Agreement, which should happen if all countries meet their Paris pledges which so far they're not. And even under that scenario, the banking system barely survives. There was nothing especially wrong with APRA's guidance note. It was just a typical example of the arse covering requiring bureaucrats and corporate executives to cover their environmental, social governance, ESG obligations with a paper trail to prove they did it. But it highlights the problem with using scenarios instead of risk analysis. Since most countries are now committed to net zero emissions by 2050, even though the policies to achieve that have not been implemented, everyone can assume that the scenario of 1.5 degrees is locked in, a likelihood of 100%. But that's not correct. Even then, there would still be a two-thirds risk of it being 2 degrees instead of 1.5, because of feedback loops caused by more carbon dioxide being released by warming that has occurred. Current policies unchanged would result in 2.4 degrees of warming, which would be terrible, but there would be a high risk, about 67% of 3 degrees, which would be catastrophic. It's known that with 1.5 to 2 degrees of warming, the combination of permafrost melt in Siberia wildfires in the world's forests 
and the warming of the ocean will release more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which means a feedback loop that could take the temperatures to 2.5 degrees above pre-industrial temperatures, and perhaps beyond, no matter what we do. I was reminded of the power of risk analysis by the recent reaction to the risk of blood clots and death from AstraZeneca vaccines. It appears to be something like 1 in 88,000 or 0.0011% to get a clot. If that happens, the chance of them dying is 4%, which boils down to a 0.00044% chance of dying from having the AstraZeneca vaccine. On the strength of that risk, the UK discontinued AstraZeneca for under 40s, and the Australian medical authorities have warned against it, and people are shunning it in droves and waiting for Pfizer. The risk of catastrophe and even extinction as a result of global warming is a lot higher than 0.00044%, and yet most of us are still driving petrol cars and eating steaks and hamburgers, and governments are still talking about targets 30 years away, or not, in Australia's case. Whatever the temperature gets to, whether it's 1.5, 2, 3, or 4 degrees of warming, it would be a global average, uneven across the planet. Anything much more than 1.5 degrees and heat waves in some part of the world would make them too hot to survive for some of the year, so humans couldn't live there at all. Daily life everywhere would be an unbearable succession of extreme weather events, as we are seeing in Germany at the moment. Sea level would rise by 1.5 to 2 metres, making many coastal and low-lying areas uninhabitable. As a result, millions, possibly billions of people, would be displaced, making a mess of global borders. Banking and insurance would become impossible. The financial system would collapse. What's the risk of that? 10%? 1%? Even if it was 1%, that would be like two or three planes crashing after takeoff in Australia which would lead to zero takes off until it was fixed. At some point, well before 2050, governments will be forced to switch to risk analysis for climate change and to publish the result. Unless scientists say the risk is zero, which they won't, then whatever they come up with, political leaders will be forced to hit the panic button by alarmed voters. But what does the panic button look like? I'm not sure. But here are some thoughts. Fossil fuels would be suddenly and totally banned or made prohibitively expensive and oil, gas and coal, coal would instantly go bust. Physical tourism would be banned and air travel confined to essentials and rich elites so the airline industry would collapse. The lithium battery and hydrogen would suddenly boom and so on. Life would change more completely than it has during the pandemic. In short, it would look like war. And, uh, and yeah, that that's, uh, puts things into perspective, doesn't it? And Alan Kohler writes twice a week for the New Daily. He's also the editor-in-chief of Eureka Report and financial presenter on the ABC News. So well done, Alan. Let's uh, get some perspective. And for God's sake, if you're in the media, um, try and focus a little less on the COVID virus and a little bit more on climate change because... 
is the biggest threat to us individually uh, and collectively as a species. So um, I know you get it or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, uh, but comrade, make sure you spread the message. Um, it'll be the poor and the proletariat that suffer the most um, and the bourgeois will be buffered from the disastrous effects of climate change. So um, when they say we're all in this together, it always ends up some of us are more in it than others. So um, stay active, stay militant and, um, and maintain the rage. Okay, comrades, bye for now.